Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Wolf Sports Show. We are now at the halfway point of the 2022 NFL regular season. Week 10 already. It's going by quick. We hit on the trade deadline a lot last week. There's now talk that some NFL teams want to push it back. Maybe a few weeks or a couple of weeks later in the season. We'll see if that happens. That's something I'm sure they'll explore in the offseason. But let's get right to week 10. Four teams on a bye. We'll go through them first. And then, as usual, we'll hit every matchup to get through every single team in the league. First up, the Bengals. A major bounce back last week in demolishing the Panthers. Joe Mixon scored five touchdowns. Four of them in the first half. Made plenty of fantasy football owners very happy. And for the Bengals, more importantly, that's exactly what they wanted and needed to get the run game going behind what, remember, is a revamped offensive line that they beefed up in the offseason. And if they can keep mixing in the run game, it's not going to be like that every week, but keep them playing at a high level, it becomes a pick-your-poison for the Bengals' offense, and they'll be tough to stop when they can work the pass game off their own game like that. And the hope is Jamar Chase will be able to give it a go in week 11 after the bye, but we'll see about that. Staying in the NFC North, the Ravens also have a bye. They had a pretty convincing win on Monday night at New Orleans. Roquan Smith flashed in the first game in the defense. Kenyon Drake ran the ball really well on offense. And Lamar Jackson now moves to 14-1 and in his career against the NFC. And they didn't even have Mark Andrews or Gus Edwards in that game. And, of course, Rashad Bateman's out for the season with his foot injury. And J.K. Dobbins has been out a few weeks with his knee. Overall, the Ravens are in a good spot. And Roquan Smith will have the bye week now to get more acclimated to defense. And I'm sure he'll be playing like mostly every snap moving forward for a defense that got a major boost with him. The Patriots also have a bye this week. Their defense has been phenomenal. Not being talked about much, but they had nine sacks against the Colts. Had a pick six by Jonathan Jones. Matthew Judon had three sacks and by far leads the league with 11 and a half already this season. He was a major pickup for the Patriots in free agency a couple of years ago. And offensively, really, they just need to take care of the ball. But I'd like to see during the bye, maybe them draw some stuff up somehow and try to get more explosive. I think they had the players to do so. In the passing game, I mean more explosive. The run game's been strong with Hermandre Stevenson and when Damian Harris is healthy. But I'd like to see Nelson Aguilar more involved. Tycon Thornton get more down the field. I do think they have the weapons to do more damage in the past game and a promising young quarterback in Mac Jones. And finally, the fourth team on the bye, the Jets. They were not very competitive the week before against the Patriots, but Robert Salah's squad had a major bounce back effort in an upset win over the Bills, giving Buffalo their second loss of the season. Josh Allen did damage as a runner, but they intercepted him two times. Stephon Diggs didn't totally go off. They contained the rest of the passing attack for the Bills. Zach Wilson took care of the ball. They ran it pretty well. Both James Robinson and Michael Carter were involved and did some damage. And we'll see. Maybe it's a turning point for Wilson to get a big win against the Bills like that. And now the Jets say they're going to move Elijah Moore, who's been a bit disgruntled with his role. They're going to move him into the slot. And we'll see how that works out with Garrett Wilson shining as a top 10 pick for the Jets to this point in his rookie year. And Denzel Mims has also shown some flashes on the outside, almost had a deep catch last week. 
and even in a tough AFC East, and especially in a tough AFC East, really, the Jets have surpassed my expectations by a lot so far this year at six and three, heading into their bye. And the Jets and the Patriots will have a rematch when they return to action next week. But this time it'll be in Foxborough. So that'll be interesting to see if New York can get a little redemption there. Now to the Week 10 games. Starting with Thursday Night Football, the Falcons face the Panthers. This is a rematch from a game a couple of weeks ago. The crazy overtime win by the Falcons on field goal when overtime was forced on the Hail Mary to DJ Moore. Again, the Panthers were lit up by Joe Mix and the Bengals last week. So they have a quick turnaround as they look to get back on track. And the defense, as I've said many times, they have upside. So they're going to want to prove that was like a fluky type of performance for them. Meanwhile, the Falcons, they had a pretty crushing loss to the Chargers. It looked like they had a big fumble recovery, and then that was then fumbled by the defense. And then the Chargers eventually kicked the game-winning field goal. That all happened in the final minute. So that's about as crushing as it gets. Again, they played tough. Cordero Patterson was a boost to the run game, which Arthur Smith definitely, he wants to emphasize the rushing attack a lot. And Patterson brings energy and juice to it. The weather tonight is supposed to be somewhat dreadful with rain and wind and everything in Carolina. So this probably won't be quite the type of shootout it was a couple of weeks ago. And I think both teams are going to want to run the ball, take care of the ball, and it should be close tonight. And the Panthers will be wearing all black uniforms with black helmet, which I think is definitely going to be one of the best uniform combinations in the league if you're interested in that. And in the NFC South, I know people aren't big on this matchup, I'm sure. But in the NFC South, I mean, these teams are right in it, especially the Falcons at four and five. Moving to Sunday, Sunday morning, our final early game this season at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. This one comes in Germany, in Munich, the first ever game in Germany. The Seahawks face the Bucks. Seahawks are definitely flying high right now. Got a win over the Cardinals, their second over Arizona this season. They're now 6-3 and three atop the NFC West. They have a strong balance attack on offense with Ken Walker, star rookie running back, and Geno Smith distributing the ball mostly to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. No, Fant had a big catch and run at tight end last week to help seal the game. And the defense continues to perform. And this rookie class continues to perform. So again, I don't see Seattle going anywhere this season. And I don't see Geno Smith going anywhere, potentially this season and beyond. And Pete Carroll said his guys are really fired up to be playing in Germany. I just saw he said they practiced as they practiced there today. They were fired up and it feels like a great atmosphere where it's like they're going to play in a bowl game this week. So that's an interesting comment coming from him, former uh, national championship head coach at USC. And they face a Bucks team that had another epic game-winning drive from Tom Brady with under a minute remaining, no timeouts. Drove and eventually hit Kate Otten, rookie tight end, for a one-yard touchdown. That was very much needed to beat the Rams, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last season to avoid a 3-6 and six start, get to 4-5 and five ahead of a big trip to Germany. And you could see the relief on Tom Brady's face when he hugged offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich on the sideline after the go-ahead touchdown. 
and we'll see maybe this is something that can get the Bucks going moving forward. And the defense, Tom Brady, of course, gets a lot of the headlines, as he should, with the, another game-winning drive, broken NFL record for the most in history with 55. There are some critics of the Tampa Bay defense, including of star linebacker Devin White. And White and the Bucks certainly responded. And all they really allowed to the Rams was the long touchdown to Cooper Cup. And it was interesting to hear on the CBS broadcast the way Tony Romo talked about Chris Godwin. Basically saying, I'm sure he heard it from whoever, people with the Bucks, maybe Brady, maybe Godwin himself, that he's not quite where he was coming off the torn ACL. And they expect him to be sharper, faster in the coming weeks. So that's something to watch down the stretch and into the postseason. But the people of Germany, they're getting a good one first game. I mean, the GOAT is on one side and a exciting Seahawks team on the other side. Now to the 1 o'clock Eastern games on Sunday, the Lions face the Bears. Again, the Lions defense stepped up last week. Third game in a row that I've liked the way they've flown around and played since the bye week. Defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn deserves a lot of credit for getting the unit turned around after he was under a lot of fire and people calling for him to be let go. The offense is still looking to find its groove a bit after they were basically scorching hot to start the year and dating back to the end of last season. DeAndre Swift is remains banged up, and they're going to see about getting him more work this week, so that might be a boost, especially in the receiving game. For the Bears last week, lost to the Dolphins, but Justin Fields did everything he could help his team get a win set a regular season nfl record for rushing yards by quarterback with 178 had a 61 yard touchdown run that showcased his pure athletic ability and how he's often the best athlete on the field you can see chase claypool is likely going to make a difference in the offense long term as a big bodied type of deep threat overall fields using his legs like he has the past few weeks has definitely been a huge boost to his confidence, including as a passer. So he's just gotten better all around, and they're letting him play more freely now after he was kind of handcuffed, I think, a bit early in the season. And I wasn't super high on fields coming into the league. Like, I didn't think he was a clear top 10 prospect or anything like many people did. But if he's used as a runner like this, I don't see any reason why he can't be like a Colin Kaepernick type when Kaepernick was actually good early in his career with the Niners and went to the Super Bowl. And I'd say Fields has more upside as a passer than Kaepernick did. But like with Kaepernick, the rushing, I think has to remain a huge part of that for Fields, for him to keep having individual success and for his team to become a contender in the next few years. The Browns face the Dolphins. Cleveland coming off the bye. Nick Chubb is rested up. He's now 29 yards behind Derrick Henry for the lead league in rushing. That should be close all year. It was funny to hear Mike Tirico on NBC Sunday Night Football when the Titans were playing. He uh, said to Derrick Henry, he said, how's the best running back on the planet doing? And Tirico said that Henry's response was, that's Nick Chubb. So a ton of respect for Chubb around the league to have somebody like Derrick Henry say that. And he's the key to keep Cleveland in the mix all season, especially when they get Sean Watson back for his team debut. 
They faced a Dolphins team that had a disappointing defensive outing last week, but the offense, again, looks really good. Jeff Wilson looks like an excellent acquisition at running back. He scored a touchdown on his team debut for Miami, and he's a strong compliment to Raheem Mostert. So basically they have the Dolphins, I guess you can say, clearly the fastest offense in the league. And now they have sort of a power attitude element with Wilson. And after field ran wild on the Dolphins last week, the top priority for them will be stopping Nick Chubb and hoping to make it into a game where Cleveland can't really keep up with them and their speed. Although the Browns defense might have some pieces to do a nice job on defense if they can follow up their week eight performance when they handle the Bengals. The Broncos face the Titans. Denver coming off the bye. Russell Wilson should be healthier. They acquired Chase Edmonds. We'll see how he's incorporated the offense at running back. We'll see how the defense fares without Bradley Chubb off the edge. I still think they'll be really strong. This should be a defensive battle. The Titans are coming off that really hard-fought loss to the Chiefs. At Arrowhead, Derrick Henry scored two touchdowns in the first half. The Titans couldn't quite keep their lead. I know Titan fans especially weren't happy with that holding call against Josh Callu on Travis Kelsey on a play where it arguably looked like Kelsey was initiating the contact and eventually knocked Callie's helmet off. So that was a big point in the game. But I think Mike Vrabel said it, how, I mean, they've let Kelsey play like that. Maybe it's not fair, but that's the way they've called it in the past, letting Kelsey get away with some of the push-offs and stuff. While the numbers weren't great as a passer for Malik Willis in a very run-heavy offense, I think he showed some impressive stuff as a passer. He gave his receivers opportunities to make plays. His deep ball was pretty nice. So I think he's shown some good things. We'll see Ryan Tannehill might be back this week. But I think the Titans should be encouraged by Willis, even though if you just look at the numbers, you might not be. The defensive line and the defense overall for Tennessee, they get a major hat tip. Derrick Henry shook the hand of every defender after the loss. And now heading into this week at home against the Broncos, they just need to avoid a letdown. I think they have a chance to dominate defensively, but should be probably a low-scoring game, I would think. The Vikings face the Bills. Minnesota is now starting to catch on how they just have one loss, and they're going under the radar, and the loss came to the only unbeaten team in the league, the Eagles. They were in a bit of a battle last week against the Commanders. Couldn't run the ball much against a stout defensive front, but Justin Jefferson had a big early touchdown. And Minnesota eventually got things going again in the fourth quarter with 13 points in the 20-17 to 17 win. You could see they had good vibes going after the game with Kirk Cousins dancing. I think it was on the team plane, maybe. And now they apparently see this week against Buffalo as an opportunity to show they are legit when they might not be getting many headlines. For the Bills, this is the biggest thing to watch around the league right now. Josh Allen is dealing with an elbow injury from the end of the last game the loss to the Jets. It's said to be, according to ESPN's Chris Mortensen, a UCL injury with associated nerve damage, so that doesn't sound great. Though apparently the hope is that maybe he'll just miss one game. I'm sure, and this has been talked about, that he's telling teammates apparently that he expects to play. I'm sure he's going to do everything he can to play. 
after the loss, the Bills are now six and two, so tied with the Chiefs record-wise. So one loss and a Chiefs win. They currently hold the tiebreaker because of their win over Kansas City. But one loss and Chiefs win. All of a sudden, the Chiefs are in the driver's seat for a home field advantage in the AFC, and that's big. So Allen, I'm sure, is going to push to play. That they have to keep the long-term implications in mind. I'm sure. Either way, Sean McDermott might want to get the run game going more consistently. And on defense, his own run defense, I thought maybe the Packers were getting things going themselves a couple of weeks ago against Buffalo. But it might have been more so the Bills struggling some against the run. And we'll see if they can get that cleaned up against Dalvin Cook this week. The Texans faced the Giants. Houston, they were obviously undermatched against the Eagles, but they put up a fight, covered the spread last Thursday night. That was without top receiver Brandon Cooks who was not happy he wasn't traded. Cooks is expected back this week, and he'll help complement a strong rushing attack led by rookie Damian Pierce, who everyone got to see in primetime last week. And the defense for Houston, they at least showed some feistiness against the Eagles, made some plays, and they'll look to make this a game where they can maybe pull it out in the end this week against the Giants. New York is coming off their bye week, so I'm expecting Saquon Barkley is going to be like highly energized, charged up, and shouldn't be running like he's been running all season. Maybe the entire team will have somewhat of a chip on their shoulder after the Kadarius Tony trade, where it appears that Tony kind of just didn't want to play for the Giants. And they sit at six and two, so they have two winnable games next two weeks as they look to get to eight and two ahead of Thanksgiving. The Jaguars face the Chiefs. Kansas City talked about their big win against the Titans. Really tough battle. I think that's the type of game that's going to help them. I mean, they're plenty experienced in the postseason, but it's the type of win that should help them, this particular team, with the revamped receiving group for the playoff matchups in January when games are tight. Patrick Mahomes had over 500 yards of total offense. Threw the ball 68 times because the Chiefs couldn't really move. Yet the Chiefs were only able to score 17 points in regulation. So that was interesting, a weird type of game. And I like the way that Juju Smith-Schuster has been playing as of late. A little bit under the radar. He's put together an excellent stretch as of late. And Miko Hardman continues to do a really nice job in the Chiefs offense. The host of Jags team that had a bounce back effort. After the disappointing loss in London a couple of weeks ago, Trevor Lawrence himself especially, there were many critics of him, but he had a strong showing, one of the best games of his career in a comeback win over the Raiders. And on the defense, Dwayne Smoot had two sacks last week. So guys like him, and then first overall pick, Javon Walker, fellow first-round pick, Devin Lloyd, they all need to step up in a major way this week on the road at Kansas City. The final 1 o'clock game, the Saints face the Steelers. New Orleans struggled in primetime at home on Monday night against the Ravens. Head coach Dennis Allen says he's chalking it up for Andy Dalton as just a bad night. So he'll remain the starting quarterback. Still, I guess I'm going to say it every week probably. I think a lot of people feel this way. I believe Troy Aikman said it on the broadcast. Steve Young said it in the pregame. How good things happen when Taysom Hill's on the field. And I think they need to play him more, including and maybe especially at quarterback. 
So we'll see if that happens in the second half. And the defense has just been inconsistent. They had the shutout a couple of weeks ago. And then against the Ravens, they didn't play well at all. So we'll see if they can do damage against rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett this week. But for Pittsburgh, they're going to get TJ Watt back finally. The reigning defensive player of the year is expected back after he's been out since week one because of a pectoral injury. And the Steelers are a much different team with Watt in the lineup coming off the edge the way he disrupts games. And I think Pickett just needs to avoid turnovers. I think the Steelers, especially in a game like this, can play to their defense and win games with their defense. Offensively for the Steelers, there's talk that Najee Harris, his role might be scaled back some with the way Jalen Warren's looked. He's provided some explosiveness at running back. However, we'll see if Najee is healthier after the bye week, after he was came in the season a bit banged up and then had the week off. Not to the late afternoon games. Fortunately, there's three of them this week after there were only two last week for some odd reason. And we'll start with Colts Raiders at 405. I said that the Josh Allen situation was the biggest story in the league. But I guess this situation with the Colts is maybe can be considered that, especially if Allen isn't dealing with a season-ending type thing. The Colts, they fired head coach Frank Reich. That was not surprising. It was just a matter of time, whether it was after the season or at some point during the season. And we'll see what happens with GM Chris Ballard, who has also been under heavy criticism from fans for not securing a cornerstone left tackle. Uh, more receiving help over the years and for not getting a long-term franchise quarterback. But the surprise was that Jim Mersey decided to hire former center Jeff Saturday, who was a great player for the Colts for many years, was Peyton Manning center, basically, in Indy. And Saturday's coached high school football, but he was currently an analyst on ESPN. So it's pretty stunning that all of a sudden... He was not in the building with the Colts, but they're bringing him in as the interim coach. And I don't have a problem with the move. I think it's interesting. The most disappointing thing for the Colts this season has been the play of the offensive line. And while Jonathan Taylor has been banged up, the lack of him building on his monstrous 2021 campaign. And Saturday, I think, was brought in in an effort to get that going again. And that's their path to winning games right now. It's a very high-priced offensive line. Taylor is one of the most talented backs in the league, clearly. And I think that might get turned around quickly. If Taylor is healthy, he missed again last week with an ankle injury. That's been bothering him for a bit now. And as long as the guys in the locker room buy in, I think the Colts can be more competitive than they've been this season. And they have a shot this week. At Las Vegas, facing a Raiders team that maybe is the most disappointing in the league, although there's been quite a few disappointing teams this season. Vegas looked like they had something going last week against the Jaguars. Instead, they gave up another big lead. The third time they lost a 17-point lead this season already. And since, I think, 1960, that only happened to the Raiders five times. So that's shocking. The expectation for the Raiders was to have a high-powered offense after adding Devontae Adams. 
and have the pass rush led by Max Crosby, who's been one of the best, and Chandler Jones, who was acquired this offseason, has been one of the best for years off the edge. It just hasn't worked out that way. Not much of an identity for the Raiders right now. And they have time to get things turned around, become competitive. But it's been a big fall from making the playoffs last season and looking to have something big being built. The Cardinals face the Rams. Two more really disappointing teams. The Cardinals are on hard knocks. I watched that on HBO last night, the first episode of the season, to get some insight there. I'm also not sure what Arizona's identity is right now. Just not coming together. It was interesting how affected, as shown on Hard Knocks, the players were by the rain in practice. I know that's rare for them in Arizona, but that was noteworthy, I think. The message from head coach Cliff Kingsbury heading into last week was they need to beat the Seahawks. And then they had two more division games this week against the Rams and the next week against the Niners on Monday night. And that if they keep winning, they'll be playing for first place against the Niners. And yeah, they lost the first game to the Seahawks. So now we got to see how they respond to that and if they can get something going against a Rams team that is determined themselves. After the tough loss of the Bucks last week, Jalen Ramsey called out his offense pretty heavily for the defense having to make a stop to get the win when they'd play well all game. That's not a great sign for him to be doing that. A lot of frustration in Los Angeles right now with that team. Matthew Stafford is in the concussion protocol, so hopefully he's feeling okay. Again, the long touchdown to Cooper Cup was about all the Rams got last week against the Bucks, And much of it comes down to the offensive line, as I've said often. And it's like the 2020 season where the offensive line struggled and Jared Goff struggled a little bit. And I think it's even to a worse level to this point this season. And Sean McVay says that changes are coming. I don't know what that'll be. Keep an eye on rookie running back Kyron Williams potentially making his return to the lineup this week. And maybe they just use him a lot. So that's two desperate NFC West teams looking to stay in the mix. And the final late afternoon game, the Cowboys face the Packers. Fox started hyping this up even before last week as their big America's Game of the Week. This is a game they've been looking forward to for a while in November. Unfortunately, the Packers haven't really kept up their end of the bargain to this point. With their loss to the Lions last week, they're now 3-6. and six. Pretty crazy for a team that's won 13 games each of the past three seasons. Aaron Rodgers was visibly frustrated last week with his receivers. He had a comment that was caught by the cameras and not a great one saying to catch the ball bleep about one of the receivers. So that's not good. Although it was in the heat of the moment, but Roger himself, I think he said himself how he didn't play well. He needs to play better. The red zone interceptions were crushing. And I know Aaron Jones left last week with an ankle injury. He's expected to be okay. But I'm still insisting the Packers run the ball more, including deep in the red zone and scoring territory. And if they can't run up the middle, like I know AJ Dillon was stuffed once near the goal line, I think Aaron Jones needs to get more involved there, including on runs off the edge 
where he's done a ton of damage in the past. And the Packers are hosting former Super Bowl winning head coach Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. And I hope and would thank McCarthy you'll get a good ovation for all the success he's had in Green Bay and helping them win a Super Bowl. The Cowboys are coming off their bye. Ezekiel Elliott is expected to be back after missing one game with a knee injury. We'll see how he and Tony Pollard split the backfield work with many people clamoring for Pollard to get more work. But I don't think Elliott needs to take a huge backseat. And there should be plenty to go around for both of them. And now there's been a ton of talk about Odo Beckham Jr., who is expected to sign in the next couple of weeks with the team, that he might land with the Cowboys. With the way reporters reported it uh, last weekend, it sounds to me like they're the favorite. Maybe it's just agent-driven or whatever to drive up the price. I don't know. But it seems like the interest is real. Cowboys players have come out and said, both Michael Parsons and Zeke and I'm sure others, they want Beckham, they're saying. Jerry Jones on the radio said the star will look good on Beckham's helmet. At 6-2, and two, they're squarely in the Super Bowl mix. And Beckham was favored to go to the Rams to return there where he won last year. With the Rams' struggles, that's looking less and less likely. And it looks like it might come down to Dallas, San Francisco, and Buffalo for Buckham, and we'll see maybe the Packers, if they get a win, can work themselves into that mix. But he might prefer to play for a team like the Cowboys or the Niners who don't play in a cold-weather environment, so that might hurt Buffalo. Although Von Miller might be uh, campaigning for him to come there. That's something to watch as Beckham returns from his torn ACL. On Sunday Night Football, the Chargers face the Niners. It hasn't always been pretty, but the Chargers are 5-3. and three. Niners are 4-4. Four and four. Furlay talked about them getting the crazy win at the end against the Falcons. Austin Eckler scored two more touchdowns. He's been huge with the receiving group banged up. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I think they're both going to be out again this week. For the Chargers defense, Khalil Mack and Derwin James, who both had big plays last week, will need to make game-changing plays this week, I think, against the Niners. San Francisco's defense is getting a lot healthier after the bye. Debo Samuel is expected back after practice full yesterday. So the Niners are much healthier now. The bye came at a good time for them probably. And they're touchdown favorites against the Chargers this week. The Niners might be keying in on Austin Eckler. And again, the Chargers are going to need other guys on offense and their defense to step up this week to get the upset win on the road. And the final game, Monday Night Football, the Commanders face the Eagles. The Commanders couldn't quite pull off a third straight win last week against the Vikings. But again, like I said, the defense was pretty stout. We'll see if that can continue against the Eagles. And I would think this will be different than the first matchup where it was a total demolition by the Eagles defensive line. Eagles defensive lineman Javon Hargrave has been exceptional the past couple of games especially as a pass rusher, but the run defense for the Eagles has struggled without Jordan Davis in the lineup. So I think Washington needs to ride the rushing attack with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And Taylor Heineke, he just needs to, he's a playmaking type of quarterback, but he can't try to force too much against the ball hawking Eagles defense. And for Philadelphia, there's a lot of talk that they can go 17-0, but I like their approach. They just take it week by week. Divisional game, Monday night, primetime. 
in front of a great home crowd. They should be locked in as they look to improve to 9-0. As stated, the commanders are pretty tough against the run or can be with their defensive line led by Jonathan Allen. But with the way the Eagles can use a triple option type of attack, that can beat you in a variety of ways with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They should be able to move the ball. Though again, Washington will maybe try to control the game a little bit with the run game to make this closer than expected on Monday night. And the ownership situation for Washington, that remains something to watch. Sounds like things could come together quickly for a potential sale. The ownership group led by Jeff Bezos, who I talked about last week, uh, seems to be getting pretty legit with Matthew McConaughey now reportedly joining it. And the talk is the team could go for $7 billion. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes even higher than that, maybe to $8 billion, if it turns into a bidding war, which I think Bezos would win, you would think, as one of the richest people in the world. So we're on the show there. I uh, like the schedule this week. Hope you all enjoy the games, and we'll be back next week, and thank you for listening.